Hello and welcome to episode 20 of My Fantasy Zamboni. Unfortunately, tonight there's only three of us. Joe's unavailable for selection. However, I do have the pleasure of the company of Andy Stafford. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Dave. And as, as ever, the company of Mr. Gareth Dutton. Good evening, Gareth. Good evening, Dave. And as I've got the, the, uh, the control of it, who is Gareth Dutton? So, um, big weekend in the Elite League. Cardiff... Um, doing the double on the, the Giants, wins for Milton Keynes. Guys, what were your highlights? I'd go with my highlight of uh, Dundee beating Panthers on the Friday, 4-3. That seemed like a, a close game. And another win for Omar Pasha's boys. Doing well to get the, the points on the board and to keep fighting for that playoff spot. Mine was, uh, yeah, sorry Panthers fans again, uh, it was a Guildford Flames uh, Nottingham Panthers game, uh, ending up 5-2 to Guildford uh, in the Challenge Cup first leg. Um, just fantastic for Guildford now, they, they, they've not won any silverware yet in, in the Elite League, so to get a chance to win the Challenge Cup would be fantastic for them. Um, Eric Lindhagen, um, his former team playing for Guildford. Uh, scored a couple of goals as well, got a few assists, and uh, also credit to Panthers for this. Uh, they called five out of eight penalties. Uh, it was pretty tough to do, but they did really, really well. And uh, yeah, just a great game for both teams, but a fantastic result for Guildford. I think my highlight from the last uh, podcast to this was was actually last night's game, and 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 in a sad way with the Cardiff Devils. They were poor last night, but found a way, in a way that only championship winning teams can get points when playing so badly. Um, beating the Sheffield Steelers when the Steelers, for 40 minutes, didn't allow them to play their normal game, got under the skin, but they just found a way, did the Devils. Um, you know, it, was, it was a bit gut-wrenching, I'm not going to lie, but championship winning teams find that way out of nowhere, and the Devils did that last night. So I think I'd go with that as my highlight of the, uh, the overall um uh, package. So um, we've had a, f- a couple of movements. We've had a couple of signings. Andy, who's um, coming to the league? Well, firstly, we have uh, a Latvian uh, once again joining the Steelers uh, as a short-term injury cover for Josh McFadden. His name is Sylvester Selikis. Uh, he joins from HK Spiska Nova Vez uh, in the Slovakia Second League. Uh, Played one game, and that was last night's game. Um, I don't saw much of him, uh, but it uh, looks a a pretty decent uh, sort of short-term filler. Uh, obviously, he's, he's not got much experience. Um, having only played uh, six games for his, his last club, uh, Spiskanova, and then before that, uh, Pelzrimov in the Czech third division. Only four games there, but got screened three assists. And then uh, 11 games uh, before that, when he was in the Alps Hockey League with EK Zelansi. Um so yeah, it seems really a decent injury cover. Um, again, we didn't see much of him last night, but hopefully we'll see more of him. Uh, he's very young as well, he's only 20 years old. Uh, he's quite tall, six foot one, uh, and uh, yeah, he's, he's looking decent um, cover. Um, and Gref, the stats don't stand out, but you know we weren't going too much for for a guy of his age and experience. But it's a bit of a win-win scenario, in fairness, for the Steelers in terms of the potential that this signing can do for him. It, it is, yeah. It's with it being a young player, I'm pretty sure he's probably got a, a good amount of pace on him, enough to help in this league as well, especially for you guys, and then especially when you've got Max Fagan out injured as well, which isn't too good for you guys because you also had Davy Phillips still out, so there's two defensemen right there. So it'll be a, a a nice set of fresh legs for, for your guys. Yeah, I'd say he's um, and also he's already seen this season by Barrasso in, in the Alps League, so he'll have known what he will have he'll be getting um, from him. But for me, I, I think it's win-win in the respect of you know if it's, if it's all goes well, it's a diamond in the rough signing. If it's not. It gives that defence just that bit of a breather, like you've mentioned. For the past two weeks, Steelers' defence have been down to four men. Um, Dave Phillips is is on his way back, but you can't nowadays. You, you can't 
go with just two lines of defence for you know you, you, the odd game and the odd period, but two three weeks of of, of two lines of defence even my apologies is going to hurt your team long run. Yeah, um, again it is it's, it's fantastic news that David's coming back. Um, I think he's mentioned that he's coming back on Saturday, so we're all hopeful for that. Uh, just having an extra body uh, now gives a bit more stability to a D line. Um, and again, I, f- I think there's going to be a few more players. Maybe we could have won last night's game, but um, again, as as they said, Cardiff found a way to win, even though it was not the best game. But again, good teams find ways to win in any way they can, and last night Cardiff did. Uh, but hopefully, with David Phillips coming back, maybe we'll challenge a few more teams. Indeed, and there's been obviously there's another signing um, announced uh, today uh, on the 24th as we're doing the recording. Um, who's that then, Andy? Dundee have signed uh, another young uh, young skater. He's a centre, 24-year-old Oliver Paszkowski, who joins from Krakowia, Krakow uh, in Poland, where he spent the last three seasons. Uh, average, averaging about 20, 26, 27 games uh, for them three seasons. Uh, not got many points, uh, could be for a variety of reasons. Maybe it was just because... Um, the European style wasn't, you know, wasn't quite for him. But I think with the, nearly the it's, it's more of a North American style, so maybe he'll adapt to that better. Uh, but we just have to wait and see. Uh, and Greff, playing with Krakowia is, is also has a bit of theatrical experience. Uh, looking at his stats, it's it's it's, 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 it's a, for me it's a bit of a Dundee style signing. But you for the past couple of years you don't tend to see Dundee. Um, make signings at this stage, so it's a good sign for them that they actually be able to add a bit of depth to their lineup in the stretch that they're doing so well. It certainly is. I mean, it's going to be uh, like we mentioned with your guys signing. It's going to be fresh pair of legs. If you're one of their players is carrying an injury or something, Pash can just go right. You can sit this out. We've got someone else to cover for you whilst you get back fit. I mean. Looking at the the table at the moment, between fourth place and tenth, there's six points in it. Six points between a lot of teams for a playoff spot. I know Pash is going to want to stay in that playoff spot as well as all the other teams, and that could hopefully help them. Indeed, well, and, and they're uh, a team that's, that's one of the form teams of the Elite League at Dundee. You know, they, they're getting some good results, some big scouts, and they seem to enjoy themselves. Um, you know, obviously the, the 80s part is carrying on a little bit longer um, up in Dundee. But, you know, it, it's good to see them carrying on and, and give themselves all the chance to finish as high in the standings for that playoff spot. So, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, big double header in Cardiff between the Devils and the Giants. Um, it's a bit different for the, the for the podcast. We we contacted a couple of fans. We we shouted out and we had um, a couple of guys um, give us their thoughts. Um, but one a Cardiff fan of Belfast. So uh, thanks to Sean Phillips and uh, Thomas Brownlee uh, for giving us them thoughts. So after the the big weekend uh, between the the Devils and the the, uh, the Giants. We thought we'd ask a couple of fans their thoughts on either side of the fence, and I'm delighted um, to say Sean Phillips, a Cardiff fan, has uh, joined us. Sean, thanks for, for giving up your time this evening. You're welcome, no problem at all. Um, it's fair to say it was uh, pretty much the perfect weekend for the Devils. Yeah, um, quite unexpected. You know, Belfast are a quality outfit. Um, obviously, they've beaten us twice this year already. We didn't expect to come away with, with all four, and if we did, I expected to at least give them an overtime, uh, you know, Give them an overtime point, but it, uh, it wasn't to be. Unfortunately, we we gained that uh, that four point swing on them with a, a perfect weekend. Indeed, as for those who want to wear Cardiff won four two and five two um, on Saturday and Sunday, respectfully. Um, but one of the things looking at the stats wise, the scoring was spread across the team, um, so you weren't just relying on the on the big guns that you guys have. It was very much a team performance across both days. Yeah, definitely, and I don't think either of our most productive players, Gleason Fournier and Charles Longley, scored a goal. Uh, so that says a lot. It's very, very key for us to get that um, that different dynamic and the offense through the lineup. I thought everyone chipped in really, really well. Bryce Reddick, not a regular goal scorer, getting on the score sheet. 
And yeah, it, it just pays testament, testament to how deep we are as an outfit. And we, we just defended fantastically in numbers. And those guys, Fournier, Langley, who put the numbers up all year, their 200 foot game was immense. And all round, we were, we were brilliant. And the best guy on the ISO across the two games was Ben Bounds. And he kept us in it at some massive, massive stages. Belfast are a very high pressure team and they kept us pinned in for a long time. We weathered the storm. And like I said, our offense paid off with it, with, with all that depth. I was just going to come to, to Ben Bounds because, you know, given how strong Cardiff and Belfast are, the, the bigger the battle was between Bounds and Besser Warren, who was, you know, yep. one of the informed goalies, for him to pick two wins up against um, his adversary, that's, that's a huge signal of intent for him and for the Devils going down the stretch. Yeah, definitely. I think Bounds, he probably hasn't had his, his best start to the season, you know, leaking a couple of, uh, a couple of soft ones, but He's been building and building towards a, be- a, be- a better game. And I think we got the whole package off him uh, over the course of the weekend. And like you said, his adversary in the league, the top goalie in terms of stats, uh, I think he's top of both of the both of the stats um, from memory. So, yeah, it's, it's a big confidence booster for Bounds. Going down the stretch for the Devils, it's big. Going into the summer with GB is very, very big for Bounds' pers- uh, you know, confidence personally on an, on an international level at the toughest competition he's going to play in, arguably, in his life. So, yeah, it's very, very exciting to see him hit his rich vein of form at this stage of the season when we need him at his best. Very much so. Um, and, and also, not only the big points to get back into overtake the Giants, but it's a massive statement of intent for that 3 P. Of course, yeah. Look, it's never been done before. Uh, the organisation set that as their target at the start of this season. They wanted to be the first team to to pick up that three in a row in terms of British national championships. And you've got, you've got to say that it's, it's not done by any stretch. Belfast are a good side. We still have to go there twice. And if they turn us over this weekend means nothing. And it's just another couple of drop games in between for, for us up to that point. So it's by no, by no means over, but I would be very, very surprised to see a team of this caliber and this confidence, uh, let it slip away from here because we, we we've been tremendous all year. And I, I, I just can't see it getting away from us at this stage. We we're just the Giants are a very good side, but we are out of this world in terms of how deep we are. Our confidence, the we we just play as a team, and that's that's what's been brilliant about the season so far. So to put your cause to the mass, can you do the three feet? In your opinion? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I think you know we we did that against the Giants. Uh, it was a big statement of intent after they'd beaten us twice, blown us away in our own barn, and. We uh, we came up with a difficult game against the Sheffield Steelers on on the Wednesday night, and it was by no means a good a good victory from the Devils. We were very very poor. Sheffield threw the kitchen sink at us for what they had, but we we just had that little bit of extra quality to go and get the two regulation points, and and that's where championships are won. That it's it's those games which you don't play your best in that you you just pick up points left, right, and center, and the the wins go the every every win means the same and. That, that was a big, big victory for us. and It puts a bit more pressure on the Giants with their 3-3 three and three this weekend. So, yeah, plain and simply, yeah, we can do this. Well, well, thank you very much for your time, Sean. Thank you very much for having me. And after the big weekend between the Devils and the Giants, we've asked uh, a fan of either side for their thoughts and we're delighted to have Thomas Brownlee on the show. Thomas, thank you for giving up your time tonight. Not a problem, thank you. Um, it's fair to say that it were a difficult weekend for the Giants. Uh, where to even begin with it? I think it's it's probably most disappointed I've been coming out of an arena at any point this year. Everything just seemed to go completely the wrong way. Don't I, I, like it's there's no real even review I can give for it apart from disappointing. Uh, for those who aren't aware, um, the Devils won the Giants four two and five two across the weekend. Would it be fair to say, just looking across all the stats, and everything would could it be fair to say that potential hangover from the the heartache from the Conti Cup the week before? It's, I, I mean, from my own point of view, the Giants looked absolutely gassed, especially on Sunday. It was like they gave everything they could in the Conte Cup, and I think they're still recovering from it. And see, if I had the choice, I probably wouldn't have played the Cardiff Devils in a away double header the week after the Conte Cup, where you've had three games, three tough games in a row, and then trying to compete with what I still consider the top team in the league. And I don't mean just in terms of the league standings. They are the team to beat. 
And I don't even think Cardiff got out of, uh, you know, needed to get out, like, play at their best across the weekend. I don't think they were at their best, and that's the scary thing. They didn't need to play at their best. Yeah, very much so. And we found to uh, Sheffield's cost uh, last night. Um, but looking trying to the, the battles that you try and look for to get the advantage, because you know, both sides are you know stacked with talent. A positive, I suppose, would be the you know the giant special team across the weekend. Um, you know, three for six on the power play and and five for seven on the PK. I, I suppose against a team like the Devils, to take that away, if that's the only thing you can, at least it's good to take to going forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't want to sort of uh, be the, you know, all doing England. Special teams are fantastic, and especially compared to what we had last season in terms of special teams, where it was a very static power play, where um, we could kill, but it wasn't very consistent. It's a complete turnaround to this season, I think, at least at the weekend, it's sort of exemplified that. Five on five, yep, bit gas, but see, once we got the special teams on the... Um, uh, on the power play, we were able to put up points, and even on the kill, we were able to hold off. And I think um, one of their goals came more or less right at the end of a power play, you know, uh, right at the end of their power play, when you're just trying to recover. And it just, it, it was everything sort of combined at once. But yeah, the special teams, I can't have no complaints about it, you know, with that side of things. So, so ho- moving on to the ne- next weekend, and it's a double header at home against the, the Five Flyers, who have been. Very inconsistent, but it's a great opportunity for the Giants to not only just get a couple of wins, but it's just that confidence back in and remembering, you know, what it's like to win a game. Yeah, it's. I think when you you're sort of, you know, that you take the bad, but you know, it's sort of bad. It's like three defeats in a row. You had that uh, game against Ireland, the two against Cardiff. A win on the board on the Friday is massive, even just as the confidence boost, because I still think five are one of those tricky teams. See, on their night, they are unplayable. And if you win with the wrong mindset where uh, it's, ju- it's only five, you, they are going to do you absolute damage every single time. And we just need to go out and really play our game and keep it simple. Just get the points and go from there. Okay, and, and final question. Do you think the Giants can turn this round, you know, the, the heartache of the Conny Cup and a bad weekend against Cardiff, but can turn it around and win the league. Um, this league isn't over. Um, we only need Cardiff to drop three points, and it's back in our hands. That's It's not an impossible task, or five points, I think, now after um, last night, but it's not an imp- impossible task. Cardiff will lose games, we'll lose games, and I think as long as we're nipping at their heels the entire way there, anything can happen. We still have to play them in a doubleheader at home, and that could completely turn it all around. That would be a massive weekend for the league. Uh, Thomas, thank you very much for your time this evening. No, not a problem. Thank you. And again, a huge thanks to Sean Phillips and Thomas Brownlee for the, giving up their time to talk to us. Uh, and Gref, two big wins for the Devils. Momentum's with them. It's, di- it's difficult to see them not doing the 3 P. It's very difficult to see them not doing the 3 P. I mean, look at the standings now. There's 11 points between them and Belfast. That's with they have two games in hand, but still, 11 points at this stage. That's something that if Cardiff fans lose it, if they if Belfast win the league, that's going to be one of those that you're going to look back on next year at, at the end of the season. Like, how on earth have you managed that? Uh, but in fairness, Andy, you know. Cardiff probably only need to drop about three points and, and Belfast are, are back in the race. Um, so, you know, they're not totally out of the, the race at all, are they? No, definitely. It's, it's still a, it's still anyone's anyone's for the taking, really. Um, obviously, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see Belfast win it and, and not Cardiff the third time in a row. I, I think, you know, it'd be nice for someone else to win it. Um, but, you know, Cardiff haven't been strong uh, this season so far, but they've found their way back up to to that position uh, where they are leading the league yet, yet again. Um, even from Belfast and Cardiff, you know, they've, they've both had really good games so, so far. They've, uh, they've both found ways to win, uh, but again, it was Cardiff this weekend who managed to take full advantage of that, uh, and also last weekend as well. Um, so they're in a great position at the minute, but yeah. Belfast is uh, definitely still in his race. 
one of the battles for me from that weekend was was a battle of the goalies, um, and not because <laughs> myself being a goalie is you had the informed goalie in Bessawarini against um, GB number one Ben Bounds, and, and from Bounds' perspective, 2019 is a big year for him, um, trying to win the three people with Cardiff, but also the World Championships in May, and to get two big wins against. You know, probably the goal that's close to him in the standings, Griff. That must be a huge confidence filler for him. That's gotta be a huge confidence. I mean, he conceded four goals all weekend, and that's that's gonna be what way you're looking at, thinking, okay, we're playing probably one of the better teams in the league, apart from being, obviously being Cardiff, with the firepower that they've got as well with Dwyer, Murphy, as other names to be mentioned, but it's to have four, only four goals past year. Bounce is going to be, it's going to be. I'd say he's probably going to be buzzing about that. I mean, he probably want two of the goals back, maybe. So probably all four of them. Not to put anything down on Besco either, because he's a, a stellar goaler. He's this season so far, he's been unbelievable. But, but Andy, it's. There's, there's another doubleheader, Cardiff Belfast in Belfast. Um, huge opportunity for them to, to you know not only get back before then get back into the race, but maybe then, given how results may pan out, actually stay claim to go ahead in the standards. It's huge, yeah, and and they've got a fantastic opportunity to do that in front of a massive home crowd. I'm sure, I'm sure there will be. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if there wasn't a sellout on, on one of those days. Um, it, like I said, it's like it's like ones for the taking, and and I think after this weekend, if if Cardiff win both games this weekend, then they've pretty much got the uh, title pretty much sealed. I probably say, but if Belfast can get a couple, couple points out of this weekend, then I think they've got a good chance. Uh, they've, they've just got to give the roll this weekend. Uh, but like I said, they've, they've got the backing of the of the home fans in front of them, so hopefully they'll be able to pull off some good results. That's- but the main thing is there's a lot of hockey still to be played, but you be fair to say that at the moment, it is looking like the title's going to stay in South Wales for yet another year. Um, recently, we've had a number of uh, milestone appearances, or um, in one example coming up, haven't we, Andy? Yes, we have. We've had uh, John, John Phillips uh, recently getting his 800th game uh, for the Sheffield Steelers. Um, pretty much celebrated that um, last night with a fantastic goal from a rebound. Um, Mark Richardson as well, who's also celebrating his his 800th game. Uh, I believe he got an assist uh, on his 800th as well, so that's a fantastic thing for him. And coming up this weekend, uh, Matt Hayward of the uh, Glasgow Clan is celebrating his 500th game uh, for the Clan, and um, he's, he's been there pretty much since day one, since started back in 2010. So. It's fantastic for him to still be with the club and and really be one of the uh, one of the G prospects who's really making for names themselves and, uh, and doing a good job in Glasgow. Very much, you know, three players who have um, have really stepped up to the plate. And also on Saturday, all being well, Myers makes his 900th Elite League appearance um, when he suits up for the Cardinals against the Panthers. Uh, and Graf. You look at them four players there, and, and that is a lot of games by four guys who are, you know, pretty much, you know, part of the furniture of the elite league. And you, you, when you think of the elite league and, and the the stalwarts, they're the first set of names that you think of. That's certain. I mean, he, Matt Richardson actually got a goal, not an assist, and and he got the opening goal as well. So that's what a way to start your 800th game. You're getting your team up ahead. To play that many games in the Elite League, that's that's an incredible achievement. There's not really much you can say now about that. I mean, those are some of the guys that they're going to be wanting to play in, in Slovakia in, come May. I mean, they've all been around, around playing for GB Senior for a very long time. More than a lot. I'd probably say their age... Around over 20 years or so, playing for GB. That's even more incredible. Uh, and Andy, you, you've got these these guys. What for, for me, they've set the bar, especially for the British players coming through into the league. But they've set the standard bearing of what 
it takes to to forge a career and make yourself known um, as not only just a, a British player, but also a, a standout player in this league. These four guys have done it. You know, the figures speak for themselves. For, for players coming through the next generation, that's the standard bar that's, that's been set pretty high. It is very high. It's, it's a huge, uh, huge, huge uh, boost to fill. Um, it's pretty sad to think that, but, but, you know, these guys are, are getting a bit older. Uh, the rules probably retire in, in a few years. And it, it is sad to say that because what they've done in their career for GB and, and, and their teams is, is unbelievable. And um, for anybody, it's, it's, it's going to be hard to replicate that. Um Hopefully though, uh, you know I've, I've I've got faith in the uh, in the junior system in the UK. Hopefully they'll be able to uh, to inspire and uh, hopefully help develop the careers in into being the next sort of player like Colin Shields and Jonathan Phillips, uh, Matt Myers, you know Mark Richardson. There's just so many players that you know have, have been absolute stalwarts for GB that are. That the careers are unfortunately coming to their end. Um, so yeah, we, we, we need to bring up some really good talent, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do that and, and bring more success for the for, for the UK. Uh, and Gref, on a point Andy made in terms of the replacements, the, the players coming through, and you look at the results for the the um, the GB under 20s and 18s, and the picking up medals and the odd, and promotions. Um, you, you read some of the, um, the, the the junior camps that they have um, in the summer, the, the, the tournaments in Sheffield. There does seem to be a fair number of players that are coming through these um, junior tournaments that are certainly ones to watch. And it's, it's a little bit exciting to, see, to, to know that we have a number of players that are coming through and maybe the next set, the next Jonathan Phillips, the next Colin Shields, the next Matt Myers and so on and so forth. It's, yeah, it's... When you look at players nowadays from that that are like 14, 15, and you can see some of them actually playing in like the NHL, it's and you see them and they're actually no disrespect to that league or anything because we've we've we were come across this once before, but even when they're getting a lot of points in that league, it's like wow, you're definitely going to be snapped up by another league team or you're going to get Maybe even go one further and do another Liam Kirk, get drafted into the NHL, play in the OHL or another Canadian major junior league, or even take the Sam Duggan route and go over to Sweden. It's going to be, I say it's going to be a good, good few years to come ahead for, especially for GB. No, I agree, and, and especially this year and that World Championship experience, if that won't inspire the next generation who are on the cusp, I'm, I'm not sure much will. But you know what, we, you know, there's a few moments we go before we uh, talk a lot about Slovakia, and I'm sure we will do um, on this podcast. Um, moving on to the next section, we've, uh, we've had a few questions um, from folk. Thank you very much. Um, so we'll start... Um, with the first question from Alan Clarenbold. Uh, thank you, Alan. Um, a bit of a hot topic after last night's game in Sheffield. Um, but the question is, what do you think would possibly be the, the best way to ensure more accurate officiating, etc., going forwards? He elaborates a little bit. Whether it's better, more cameras allowing better goal reviews or finding ways to train the current crop of officials to be more efficient, etc. Um for, for those you know who, who may not be aware, you know there was a lot of a lot of controversy on the uh, the officiating performance uh, on social media after the the Sheffield uh, Cardiff game, and in particular, a goal was washed off from Sheffield, which uh, was given for goal interference, which on more angles that have come out was on was may not be the correct call. However, that's after a number of replays. Obviously, officials have one um, look at uh, an incident, guys. What's your answer to that question? For me, I, I from some of the tweets I saw about getting import one import referees over, I think money is probably best to spend on our own, have our own crop. I mean, 
we've seen it this year with numerous officials that are in our league go to world championships at the world junior championships as well it's it's going to get better from what from what i can see it's going to get better there's always the odd odd game where the officials don't get everything right but it's only because they're human you see that in the nhl the, some refs don't have the best of games the camera angles i'd say for arena teams that that could be easily done but when you've got rinks like Altrincham, for example, I use my own for there. You're not going to get the best angles all the time. It's not going to be. I don't think it's going to be possible with the sight lines. Yeah, for me, um, I think the important and, and, and the more uh, being the, the tech side, like cameras, things. It, it all comes down to money. And I just don't think the league really has has that bill to splash out on on things like that. Um, I think for me maybe it's assigning officials who have like no affiliation or like haven't like aren't born in a particular city where you know where the game's been played or, or who's who's playing in that game. They need to have no affiliation with the teams at all. Uh, that that's for one. So there's there's no you know there's no chance that one's going to call one side more than another. I think it should all be neutral refs, neutral officials. Um, I, I think that's the only way, really, because um, apart from more programs, maybe developing the ones we've got, maybe bringing some professionals from the NHL uh, and giving the pointers on, on where the best sort of place to stand is, maybe it's being a bit closer or maybe a, a particular part of the ice where it, it gives that better view. Um, apart from that, it's it's hard to say. Again, it all comes down to money. Uh, if we're able to bring in imports, yeah, I would. I think it'd be great to do, to do some swapping like we did uh, a few years ago. Um, I, I think it was one of the linesmen, was it Sewell that went to America uh, for a bit? Yeah, um, I, I think that was a great idea, just, just to give, you know, a different perspective, just, you know, to give them sort of like, you know, a bit of motivation to maybe go into that league because... Obviously, if you're a referee, I'm sure anybody would love to referee in the NHL, AHL, or get the chance to do that. So I think maybe having a bit of like swapping between both, um, I think that'd be a good idea. Uh, but again, it comes down to money. Um, I, I think that's, that's what it boils down to, really. I think for me, it's, it's a twofold answer to, to that question from Alan. Uh, we'll go on the camera angles. For me, I, I'm, I'm taking that as more what you're allowed to go to the cameras for so at the moment and Gref please correct me if I'm wrong it's very much was it a goal or you know has it crossed the line it's, it's very limited amount you can use the TV replays for um, whereas you know you can't at the moment use it for sort of penalties as such if that, if that causes a goal or whatnot. for me if we can get the cameras in venues to elaborate or the cameras that we have that we can elaborate on you know, the offsides and, you know, particular calls and be able to check stuff, then I'm all for that. But then that's a league rule. That's not necessarily the officials. Um, so that's something that the league needs to, to develop and look at. And, you know, it's only the second year of full use of, of, of the of the TV replay. So, you know, a bit of betting time for it in this country to use. For me, the officials, I, I don't think they're that bad. A lot of people berating them and yeah perception wise they may have had a, a, not a good night last night but for me, for me one of the things I, I always try looking at and I picked as a tip years ago if I see if I see an incident where I think could be a penalty look where the referee is what angle has he got is his view been blocked by three or four players because the, the view that we will have in the stands is completely different to the view that the referee will have and like Greff said, a lot of our officials are actually getting double IHF assignments. And there was there was one comment on on I think it could have been Steel Talk that saying you know well they're only getting likes of China and Australia, and I just felt that was just so disrespectful. I mean, if you, in the respect to this, it's all well good saying if they are getting assignments that are China, Australian, you know Division Two downwards, but that's British referees getting it and not the French referees and not the German referees. 
and not the Finnish referees and not the Danish referees and not the Italian referees. You're still getting international assignments. Denmark, for a few years, had Darnell, Hicks, I'm going to say Dalton. I could get, I could make up wrong, but three officials constantly going over to officiate league games, playoff games, cup finals. And a lot of time, in terms of you know, the fan interaction, what they believe was one of the best referees, was Michael Hicks. The one referee that was always slated in the UK. Um, I, It's a difficult one in terms of saying how, uh, what we can do. They've started having more training camps. They've started having more um, assignments and people to review and, and help them become better referees. You've got Joy Topman, who's... Uh, you know, a, a leading female um, official did the Winter Olympics final. Um, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 2010. I think she got the, the women's gold medal game there. Um, and she did a huge program uh, in the, the Middle East developing their officials in, 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 in Dubai and uh, the UAE and that area of the world. She did a few years there. So she's actually been well trusted in different parts of the IHF world to you know develop with her skills other people she's now looking after the officials in terms of the top line so i think in in a couple of years we're going to see the crop of referees that we've got become better and like you said you know huge point that i think a lot of people ignore and sometimes we do as fans they're human they're going to make mistakes because that's what humans do um if we could get more training camps during the season, and I, I believe there may be, great. I'm all for that. Get together. Have a look at officials. Bring a, If we can bring a couple of you know, NCAA with, during the Friendship Fours and give them to, you know, talk to the, uh, the crop of officials to help them. You know, even just pointers and guiders, you know, just learning from your, your fellow official. Anything that we could do that will enhance what we have. And it's not as bad as people make out, I don't think. I'm all for, um, but you know, for me, we have officials doing these gigs at WHF tournaments for a reason, and it's not because no one else wants them. So, but you know, I think that's a question that could be answered in a million different ways. I think it just depends on your on your viewpoint in that. Um, but first, mainly, you know, thanks, Alan, for that question. The next question was from Morris Bird. Thank you very much. And about players willing to drop the gloves. So it's. Uh, or the lack of. Is it the league, the management of the team, or just who has been selected as players? Is there a reason for the num- for the reduction in the uh, the number of fights that we're seeing in the Elite League this year? And, as a second thing, is there a place for enforcers in the league? I'll go to Gref first, because your team's uh, pretty known for its uh, love of the altercations. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say we've, I think we've had past two weekends we've had a fight at our rink or an away game when we had a fight because we've had like Springer having a fight on Premier Sports against Baldwin, and then on Saturday just gone we had was it Riley against David Clements, and that was a really good punch by Riley as well. But yeah, it's I don't really think it's the lack of the draft of the gloves. I think because the game's changed that much and it keeps changing, it's getting more faster. I don't think there's that many players that are in our league now that will drop the gloves when it's not the right time. For example, if you're going to want to drop the gloves because your team's down by four goals and it's like two minutes left in the third period, the opposition is not going to drop their gloves. They're going to look at it and go, are you having a laugh? Which is probably what tied into enforcers. As much as part of me wants to see enforcers still in the game, because I grew up in, obviously in the ISL era, where there was a lot of fights and a lot of big hits. And like Guys like Rob Trumbler in the league, that was... Those were some good days, but I thought I think because of the way the game's changing, enforcers won't be in the game as long as as much and as long anymore, unfortunately. 
And Andy, can you have the fast game but still have a physical element to it? I definitely think so, yeah. Uh, for me, it, it comes down to individual, individual teams and, and, and what the coach wants from them, you know. If, if they want them to play a, just a versatile game, a, a fast game, but, you know, no silly fights or anything like that, fair enough. But then you get the coaches who want to play speed, who want speed, but also want the players who can fight as well. And I think it's about getting that balance between both. And it is something that I would like to see. I, I would like to see the enforcer all still play, but it's sad that it, doesn't really exist in this league much. You know, you 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 got your Springers, your Fitzgeralds, your Louis. Uh, one thing that that did annoy me a bit from from last night in the Steelers game is uh, there was a pretty bad hit on one of the Steelers players, and and nobody rose to the occasion and said, no, you can't do that. That's a bad hit. I, I'm going to show you, give you a lesson here. No one did that, and it says a lot from Steelers when the closest player to going to drop the gloves is David Phillips. And, and he's injured at the minute. But could that be the legacy of the instigator rule? Quite possibly, yeah. Maybe since that was introduced, maybe it's been a bit of a a bit of a touchy thing. Uh, you know, coach thinking, oh, but we're looking at this, looking at this rule. Is is it worth bringing enforcers in? Is it worth uh, getting getting players to drop the gloves when it's necessary to, or or do we risk getting that penalty? So. Yeah, I think it is a maybe a slight misunderstanding of the rules and and, and what I brought this thing in, but it, it does take away that element of the game a bit, and, and I think, you know, I think it, it should be more more involved that that role, but unfortunately, I, I don't see it much from now to the future. I mean, I'm of the same kind of hockey generation as Gref in terms of the Super League, and whereas one roster spot was for someone just to fight. Um, and, you know, you look forward to that signing. You know, the likes of Dennis Vial, Barry Nykar, um, Dennis Maxwell, uh, Paxton Schulte and that ilk, um, Paul Cruz. You, you always look forward to them signings. And, and that but that was at a time where it was OK. It was it was fine. It was an acceptable part of the game. The game like Greff said, the game has just moved on. Moved on ridiculously. Um, it is very much a speed game, but the thing is, everyone associates speed with lack of physicality. You watch leagues, and even the Danish leagues and the the, the German leagues. Never mind the uh, the Swedish, the Finnish, the Russian, the Swiss. Fast leagues, but they're still physical. So I, I I still feel the physical part of the game has has its part. You know, for, in Sheffield, for example, Tan Eberle, you know, was a classic example of that last night. Um, you know, along with uh, you know Lingley, I, I felt was you know, stepped his, you know had a very physical game last night, so it has that place. Just not what we all used to be, you know, the good old days of, you know, well we don't like that, we'll fight. I think that has gone. Um, it's going to take a while for the older generation of hockey fans to, to to kind of get used to that because you know that was what brought people into the game. Um, but I think this new generation of fans will get used to the speed being the number one thing and, and the old phase speed kills. And I think that's... So as soon as the, the older generation buy into that, and it'll take time, because like I say, you're used to a certain style of hockey and that, then I think you know people understand that and not kind of harp onto the question of the fighting and the and the, uh, the big hits and that. You like to say at the beginning of the bit with, with this conversation... Big leagues have speed and physical and big hits, clean hits. I think, you know, maybe maybe a year, maybe two years, you'll get that where it'll become the norm where you have a lot, you still have the big hits and the fighting's just a very rare thing. Sad to, to a lot of people, but I think that's where it's, where it's going to. But I think with, so long as the hits are still there and you still have that, the thing that grabbed you, the thing that got you interested in the sport, because everyone can, you know, look at goal scored and you know try score for different sports. But it was that that was that huge physical contact, you know, the big hits, the crushing in the boards, the mid high hits. Uh, Steve Carpenter from back in, you know, in our day, Graf, you know, was you know king of the mid high hits, the hip check. But it was that type of play that grabbed you and wanted you to come back the week after and be made you fans for life. So 
I think, in terms of that question, I think it's the style of play. I think it's just the way the game is now. Um, but, you know, once we're used to it, I, I think, you know, it's not a case of accepting a lesser thing. I just think the game's completely changed. Yeah, I I also think for the enforcer, I think that rule's pretty much, it's, it's kind of a little bit, but it's like, Changing into going into like the the power forward role, so you now got you you players that can actually play hockey. They can skate, throw the big hits, but they can also get a few assists or goals here there here and there. Well, she didn't really used to see that with you. Be one player that was just signed to fight pretty much. No, you never did. It was uh, it was celebrated as though you won the game winner of the championship if one of their guys scored a goal. Um, th- such was their role in the team. Um, so yeah, so so thank you very much for them questions. Um, as ever, you can get hold of uh, the podcast through uh, social media on Facebook, My Fantasy Zamboni Podcast, Twitter at MFZ Podcast. You know, tweet us your questions, tweet us your feedback, let us know what you think. If anything we say in the podcast you don't agree with. Tell us. We love the input. It gives us something to add to the show. Um, and it just makes it more of an interesting, uh, you know, broadcast. You know, you don't want to just listen to, to mine, Andy Grass and Joe's voice all the time, just on our thoughts. We love your input. Um, and what we've had so far in all the 20 episodes has been great. So thank you very much. Um, and thank you. And please continue to do so. Um, Jen, so unless you have anything else you want to add to this week's uh, podcast, we'll go on to the... Uh, the final segment, that's the uh, next set of predictions. And the, the, the shaking of the heads suggests otherwise, so we'll go on to that. So, fair few games. We'll go very quickly, and we'll start on Friday. Uh, Belfast, Fife. I'm going to say Belfast. Belfast as well. I'm going to go Belfast as well. So, for last there. On Saturday, Guildford Coventry at Guildford. I'm going to say Guildford. Guildford. Yeah, Guildford. I, I can't see anybody else, unfortunately, for Coventry. Um, Belfast 5, second game of the doubleheader weekend for the Flyers. It's, it's going to have to be Belfast again. Yeah, I've got to say in Belfast. And once again, Belfast, uh, Belfast to win that one. Uh, next game, Dundee-Manchester. Breath. <laughs> obviously, I'm going to say Manchester. Manchester. I'm going to go Dundee. Uh, the form team. Uh, the form team. Um, next game, Nottingham v Cardiff. And before we go over the predictions, something we missed out on. Um, they're trialling, Nottingham trialling a webcast um, on YouTube for free. Um, so if yeah. you're not at any of the games this weekend, uh, jump on their social media, the Panthers, and you get to see, watch the, the Panthers-Cardiff, which should be a cracking game anyway, on YouTube for free. Um, Gref, what's your prediction on that one? Cardiff. 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 And then the last game on Saturday, it's Sheffield versus Glasgow. Race for the playoffs. Sheffield. Glasgow. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go Sheffield. Um, uh, yeah, I think they'll do it. Um, so, Sunday... Coventry, Dundee. 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 Next game, Milton Keynes, Belfast. Belfast. Yeah, even though it's all three games in the weekend, still Belfast. See, this is where I'm, I'm going I'm to go Milton Keynes for that reason. It's the third game in three days. And they've had a tough schedule recently, so I'm going to go Milton Keynes. Now I'm I'm not sure where these this next game prediction is going to be, but you know, let's <laughs> see if I'm correct. Manchester versus Sheffield. Graf, who do you think is going to win that one? 
It's the obvious. <laughs> Manchester. <laughs> Sheffield. Yeah. Sheffield, I think, will do that. They'll uh, pay them back for the, uh, the defeat on New Year's Day. Next game, Glasgow v Guildford in Glasgow. Glasgow. I'm going to say Guildford. I'm going to go Guildford as well. Last game on the Sunday, it's Fife versus Cardiff in Kikori. I'm still going to say Cardiff. I think it's Fife could pull one out of the bag. I'm, I'm, I'm going with Cardiff on that one. And then two games in midweek before we do the next uh, podcast. So Tuesday is the first leg of the Challenge Cup semi-final between Glasgow and Belfast. 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 See, I'm I'm think Glasgow's going to nick this. This is this will be Belfast's fourth game in five days. I, I think they're going to nick that one. Not by many, you know. That's, you know, but I think Glasgow nick that one. And then Wednesday, um, according to the league website, a free sports game, uh, Guildford versus Sheffield. Guildford. Guildford. I'd love to say Sheffield, but I think it will be Guildford. If all else for Guildford, but then you know Sheffield may prove us wrong, and uh, but who knows? But again, according to this, it's on Free Sport, so uh, a lot more elite league hockey for you to watch on Free Sport. So um, that's it for this uh, week's podcast. Uh, a bit of a shorter one than compared to normal. Um, however, hopefully normal service resume and Joe uh, joins us back next week. But for now, um, Andy, thank you very much for your time tonight. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Gref. Thank you, everyone. And uh, Mr. Gareth Dutton, thank you very much for your time, Gref. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Andy. And also, thank you, Maureen. Yes, thank you, Maureen. <laughs> and, uh, how, how, who could forget Maureen from Attercliffe? Um, Let's get on at some point, don't we? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of now on par with who is Gareth Dutton. You know, hashtag Maureen from Attercliffe, hashtag who is Gareth Dutton. These, these, should, these should be trending. Um, enough of that. Uh, for myself, David, thank you very much for listening uh, to this week's uh, podcast.